that said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, it's been quite a uh, last few days. Uh, the weekend has just been uh, very revealing, and uh, Hillary Clinton did it. So that's what we know now. We know that Hillary Clinton did it, but we knew it, what, how many years ago? Five years ago? And we were called conspiracy theorists. It's absolutely insane that uh, this media that censors us now, Facebook's censoring us. I just got censored over the weekend because I talked about uh, I've talked about the crack crack pipe initiative. The crack pipe initiative. There was nothing wrong with the meme, and yet they hid the meme over at Facebook and the censorship that's going on. And then you have the police in Ottawa going door to door monitoring people's posts on Facebook and censoring them, intimidating them, like the Stasi and the SS police of Hitler's day. So we have all of this going on. It's a global effort. It's happening all at once, which tells us that it's strategic. It tells us that it's, it's planned. It tells us that it's coordinated. The election rigging was coordinated. The Dr. Fauci thing is coordinated. We're learning all about all of these different things that are happening that don't make any sense. And of course, if they don't make sense, it's because it's by design. None of this makes sense. Opening the borders doesn't make sense. But that was the plan. And who sponsored it? The corporations. And who financed it? Who financed the Democrat campaigns? Who financed Biden's campaign? Who finances the DNC? Who finances the Clinton Foundation? Well, the Clinton Foundation, the number one supplier of money to the Clinton Foundation is none other than Ukraine. That country donated more money to the Clinton Foundation than any other country. 
people from that country. How about Hunter Biden getting a big check from the mayor of Moscow? And yet Trump was the one that was colluding with Russia. So over the weekend, you know, of course, Durham's report came out, but Durham's boss is A.G. Merrick Garland. How's that going to fly? And if you really wanted to get things done and find justice, why in the world did you take so long? And now you're under a different regime with a very corrupt boss? I don't know how this is going to get out. I think that the only reason why it did come out was because someone like John Ratcliffe and Rick Grinnell actually documented a chain of custody of evidence that was classified. Why it would be classified is beyond me. But it was classified and sent to Durham. Because I think even A.G. Barr, Bill Barr, was compromised. He was a Bush guy. So I believe that A.G. Barr was not to be trusted. And so if he wasn't to be trusted, then I think the issue was they wanted to sidestep A.G. Barr and funnel the information to Durham's investigation. Durham was untouchable. But now Durham's coming out with the report, and I think he was between a rock and a hard place because there was a chain of custody of data from John Ratcliffe and from Rick Grinnell that said, you have the evidence. If you don't do the investigation and look into this and prosecute, then the blood will be on your hands. You'll be the one liable. And perhaps the same is true with respect to Fauci. All this new information coming out about uh, Echo Alliance and Danzig, Danzig, and all the money that was... Well, we found out now it's $3 billion. $3 billion in grant proposal money. $3 billion in grant money that was disseminated for compliance and cooperation. Buying influence and peddling narratives with money, your money. And that's exactly what was happening there. And then we have the Ukraine development. Any day now, we're going to be on the brink of war. And so we're going to take a listen to uh, a bunch of different clips today. We have, uh, uh, and we're going to start off with the Ukraine. We're going to start off with the Ukraine situation and listen to what Tucker Carlson has to say. But then I think that the biggest story right now is a five-year-old story, a story that we knew where we knew the truth five years ago. And yet still, we're still unraveling this this can of worms. What's going to happen to Hillary? You think anything? Probably. I don't know. There's two standards of justice. It's a joke. It's a joke what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. It's a joke what's happening along the southern border. It's a joke what's happening in Ukraine right now. I've said on this show how many times the only reason why we're in a conflict with Ukraine right now is because of the corrupt politicians like the Clinton Foundation and the Clintons, like John McCain, 
like Lindsey Graham, like all those people, like the Bidens and Hunter Biden working with Burisma, that corruption, that pay-to-play scheme that allowed Ukraine to buy influence and votes in the Senate and in the Western alliances and in NATO and in the European Parliament and throughout Europe. The Western allies were bought. Because why? Because Ukraine was so exploitable. Ukraine has a has a uh, economy the size of New York State. From what I hear, Russia is not much bigger. But Ukraine's not even an important country. They're run by a bunch of corrupt politicians. Right now, the leader, Zelensky, is a comedian. Literally, by trade. And somehow, they were responsible for overthrowing the President of the United States in the House of Representatives. Because without Zelensky's call, you wouldn't have gotten the impeachment. So they would impeach a president over a puppet country that can be bought and sold. Think about that for a moment. That any Democrat can go to Ukraine, buy a couple of politicians, get them to say something, and then basically impeach a president of the United States and overthrow the most powerful nation in the world simply by a couple of bucks buying influence. He said, she said stuff. Because let's face it, Trump would have been impeached dead to rights if he didn't have the tape, the transcript, that he wasn't even supposed to have. And people like Alexander Vindman and George Kent and Fiona Hill and the Brookings Institution and the Atlantic Council all these highfalutin, highly respected, intellectual, academic BS artists. They all did it. And they're all respected. They're all selling books. They're all getting on TV. They're all creating a narrative on the mainstream media, which is dying on the vine right now as a result of all of this cancer in our society. Because the truth is coming out. And the truckers of all the likely candidates to overthrow and do good for the world, it's a set of truckers in Canada that are trying to, they're slashing their tires. They're taking their gas rights. And people coming out of the woodwork are taking cans of gas and filling up the trucks and repairing the tire damage. Yet somehow it's the truckers honking their horns that are the terrorists. Terror? That's terror honking your horns? I thought slashing tires and blowing up gas tanks would be. So we have the Ukraine situation. We have the uprising around the world. Again, we're paying close attention to the French election because there's a lot of uh, things at stake there. Right now, Macron is still winning because I think it's rigged. With the Macron situation, I think that he did the math. 80% of the population is vaccinated. And he basically took that number and decided to draw a red line. Just like the Democrats divided black America between conservatives and liberals using a mechanism tool like Black Lives Matter to divide 
to have a bunch of Marxists speak a bunch of nonsense and act like foolish children, stupid idiots in Black Lives Matter and get them to embrace the NFL and tell everybody that they're racist and everything else in between. Speaking of the NFL, I don't know what their ratings are going to be, but that game ended early. Uh, L.A. ended up beating the Bengals, right? To give you an idea, um, I thought it was a pretty you know, basic game, run of the mill. The Olympics, no different. Their ratings are plummeting 50% of what they normally would be. They're 50% of their lowest year, the Winter Olympics. Nobody cares about politics in sports. I don't need to go to the NFL to have them tell me that racism's bad. I got the memo when I was 12 years old. Are you kidding me? Maybe they need to get their own memo. Bob Goodell and company. But yeah, so we had the Super Bowl yesterday, and that's great. But uh, Or on Sunday, I should say. But we have a lot of issues going on. And it's the truckers that are actually turning the world upside down and flipping the narrative for the mainstream elitists. The elitists that are having their lunch eaten by a guy like Joe Rogan, who happens to be a liberal. Joe Rogan is a staunch liberal, pro-abortion, hates, hated Trump for a while. I have an audio clip that's riddled with curse words, but, you know, he was pro-Obama. He thought Obama was the best president that ever lived. Big Bernie Sanders supporter voted for Bernie. Joe Rogan, who knew? A wolf in sheep's clothing. But um, nevertheless, he's drawing attention to Spotify and the censorship there. Up in Ottawa, you got police going door to door monitoring your social media. In Europe, it's no better. But the tide is turning because the lies are being exposed. Fauci's being exposed. We're going to maybe talk about Fauci a little bit later, too. But Fauci's being exposed $3 billion in grant proposals to buy influence. And you better believe that the corporations are buying influence with the politicians. Again, it's exactly the play that Ukraine did to get us into this hot mess with Russia. See, Russia, that situation is a situation where Russia feels uncomfortable having NATO missiles pointing right at their city, Moscow. Just like we would find it very uncomfortable if Russia pointed their missiles from Cuba at Washington, D.C., New York, and Florida. Because we couldn't stop their missiles. There's not enough time. They're too close. If they set up missiles in Venezuela or in South America someplace else or in Cuba, that would be an existential threat that we wouldn't be comfortable with. Well, neither would Russia be comfortable with Ukraine pointing missiles right at them. You say, well, they're only defensive javelin missiles that blow up tar- tanks and defend themselves. No. If they join NATO, they are part of the NATO alliance that has missiles that can be, at a moment's notice, pointed right at Moscow. So naturally, Russia is going to take this as a, an existential threat, and they're going to be preemptive about it, and they're going to preemptively take it out. They're going to preemptively just take it out and remove that threat, which ends up then we have to do something in return, 
and that becomes World War III. Now, Jake Sullivan was talking on Friday, and he was talking about the idea that if China were to draw, uh, uh, become an, uh, an ally of Russia in this effort, it would be a futile mistake for Russia, uh, for China. China is a house of cards built on sand. They're not quite as strong as we think that they are. And our economy is bigger than theirs. And they depend wholeheartedly, their whole existence depends so strongly on Europe and on the America, uh, per, uh, and, and, and America in general, the purchasing. Amazon, for example. America's gobble up Amazon, and Amazon is the biggest spender in China. And so there's a lot of influence that America has. Nevertheless, they, despite the fact that China owns all of our land and all of our farmland and a lot of our buildings, to an uncomfortable level, the fact of the matter is, is that China wouldn't last two months economically if we pulled the plug on spending or purchasing. And maybe that might be one of the strategies that the administration that's currently in, in power right now might have. Maybe the supply chain thing is about slowing down trade with China. Maybe. But there could have been a thousand different better ways to do it. Phase one, phase two, the China deal that Trump laid out would have been a better solution. Holding China accountable for the massive expenses associated with their COVID release would be another. The reason why we're not actually holding them accountable and responsible for COVID is because we were coordinating that bioweapon with them. We're just as culpable, just as guilty as China when it comes to the COVID mess. And Dr. Fauci is one of the masterminds of the coordination effort. Not only releasing the funding to people like Echo Alliance and Danziak, but lying about it to boot. Writing up articles and editing articles and holding secret meetings to create narratives that somehow this was a naturally natural origin coming from a bat in Wuhan in some wet market. It was a complete lie. So was the mask mandate. That was a complete lie. So was the, I, so was the uh, therapeutics in general. And why did they lie about the therapeutics? You know, uh, DeSantis in Florida was talking about this over the weekend. He was talking about the idea that he doesn't understand why the powers that be in the federal government are, are against therapeutics and treatment of the virus because we're now, no, we're now learning that this bioweapon got out and we're all going to get sick. And we're going to get sick, and next thing you know, we need to treat it. You go to the pharmacy and you get Robitussin if you get a cold. You get NyQuil, right? Well, if you get COVID, you, you get ivermectin. You get hydroxychloroquine. You get monoclonal antibodies. Why would the government try to ration all these things that actually save people's lives? Is it genocide? Is it exactly what Hitler did? He wanted blonde hair, blue eyes, strong men. And what did he do? He killed everybody else in the gas chamber and only the strong survived that. COVID's the same thing. It's a natural measure that says 
If you have three comorbidities, you're going to be expensive for socialized medicine, folks. So we can't have that. we got to kill you instead. So we have a natural bioweapon that's going to control the population, get rid of the weak, keep the strong. How great is that for governments across around the world to benefit from that? Only the strong survive. Only the strong workers survive. And all this secularization of society and trying to replace God with government has resulted in population going lower. That might make the climate change initiatives happy. Those people that say people's flatulence, just like cow flatulence, is bad for the environment. And too much warming of people's heavenly bodies are putting warmth out into the atmosphere and that's not good. We need to lower the population. And so Europe is having trouble right now with their population. And there's so many starving people in Africa and elsewhere in the Middle East because we've blown up the place in the Middle East. So naturally they're refugees. We're going to move them to voting blocks, uh, voting, voting uh, blocks where we need votes for the Democrat Party in Wisconsin and we're going to move those. We're going to create the turmoil. We're going to screw up Afghanistan. And we're going to move those refugees to Wisconsin so they'll vote for more screw ups, like with the Democrat Party. That's one. We're going to open the border on the southern border. And we're going to get all these peasants that have strong backs to work our farms and our agricultural fields and our beef packing, distri- uh, beef packing distribution centers and drive those livery cars for 12 to 18 hours a day, and work that dishwasher for 18 hours a day. We need strong backs. And we'll turn those fighting-age males that are defending their nation, and we'll turn them into sheep by waving a carrot in front of their nose of mice and men. It's a globalist control financed by Organizations like BlackRock and Vanguard, these corporations don't compete with each other. They're all part of the same. BlackRock owns Pepsi and Coke. Don't tell me that there's a war on soda between Coke and Pepsi. They're owned by the same guy. Smiling all the way to his bank. His bank. Not a bank. It's all controlled by the same philosophy and if they want to, if they want state-run media, all they got to do is buy enough advertising to influence narratives. CNN will be the happiest group of people to sell out that you've ever seen, and so will MSNBC for the almighty dollar, because money talks, and it's that narrative. That's why they don't care about. Black Lives Matter burning a a store to the ground, the auto zone, or going through and robbing the place. You know, but we got to put a little bit of a limit on it. So California got wise and said, well, you could steal, but you can't steal more than $950. $950. We'll We'll cut it off at that. $950. So the guy comes in, he buys, steals $900 worth of stuff. Gets away, never get convicted. What's the incentive for not doing that? But I guarantee you, if you're not of a certain color or certain 
political persuasion, you're going to have the book thrown at you. Because if you're Black Lives Matter and Antifa, you could burn the city to the ground and get away with it. But if you're a Trump supporter and you show up at a rally on January 6th, it doesn't matter if there was a pipe bomber on January 5th or Ray Epps uh, working for the FBI, coordinating people to break into the building. It doesn't matter that the Capitol Police were controlled by Nancy Pelosi and unlocking two 20,000-pound doors with magnet locks. It doesn't matter that they were escorted in. It doesn't matter that uh, Michael Bird, by the way, thank you for one of the listeners for correcting me uh, about that. I was saying Richard Bird, and I think it's Michael Bird now. I got that name wrong, but, you know, the Black Secret Service uh, guy that worked for Chuck Schumer that actually shot point blank in the neck, in the face, Ashley Babbitt, and nobody even cares enough to investigate. Take that guy to court. We should be suing the crap out of these people. But it's disgusting. It is. And we live in a, a country with two standards of justice. And now we got somebody dead to rights like Hillary Clinton. Who basically, I think it's the biggest conspiracy ever in the history of, it makes Watergate look like pittance. And like I said, I always said, the same person that worked on Watergate, Hillary Clinton, financed the Russian hoax. And I've been saying for the longest time that the Watergate was a Democrat operation. It was a Democrat operation. They robbed themselves. They, they broke into their own headquarters. And they blamed Nixon for it. And they wanted Nixon to cover it up once the heat got heavy. But think about it. What did you have? You had James Comey colluding with the mainstream media, spinning a narrative, Christopher Steele's narrative, his dossier. Remember that, right? They were spinning all that. They were spinning that narrative. And the FBI was working hand in glove with the mainstream media, leaking information against a sitting president, wiretapping and eavesdropping and setting up meetings and doing all kinds of infiltrating. I still think that General Flynn is in on it. I think that he was part of the infiltration. He was the insurance policy because he got to be a member of the cabinet. And next thing you know, he's talking to two FBI agents that, that basically fixed him. And then when he gets in trouble, he's the first one to get fired from the Trump administration. But then because he was a cabinet member working for Trump, now he's on Team Trump. Now if Trump actually meddles, he gets hit with obstruction just like Nixon. And Nixon was going to get impeached, so he resigned. It was the same play, different, different plot, but same strategy as Watergate. And the person who worked on the Watergate Commission, Hillary Clinton, financed the dossier. And again, if you cover that up, and what this was designed to do was it was designed to ice the Trump administration from actually releasing the data of the corruption from the Obama administration. So Obama was a big part of the strategy, and it was, he was behind it. 
And we're going to find out more and more as we talk about this and peel this onion. But it was Obama that was part of this. And it was a plot to get Trump in a straitjacket so he couldn't investigate because if he were to investigate, he would then be obstruction, obstructing justice and get impeached for that. So it iced Trump. It prevented Trump from actually getting the evidence and putting it out and disseminating it to the public because he now wasn't allowed to touch it. Thanks to the, the Flynn getting busted by two rogue FBI agents. And then after Flynn got out of office, got fired by Trump, Michael Flynn then hired Eric Holder's law firm, Covington and Burling, to actually carry out a case that was a perfectly good call with Kislyak, if you recall, and Joe Biden was unmasking. And there was a January 5th meeting with Joe Biden present just before the January 6th, uh, well, it was a January 6th, that was 2017. But there was a lot going on with regard to Samantha Power unmasking and some other stuff. But the idea was that they were, the fix was in. And so what you had was you had uh, Flynn hiring Eric Holder's law firm. And that case then carried out, perfectly good call, carried out for three, how many years? Three and a half? Three and a half years. That was the entire presidency of Trump. And not only that, but it also cost Trump the midterms. It allowed the House of Representatives to flip because of what Bob Mueller was doing with his case and delaying it. He was sitting on it. There was no case. Every single thing that was wrong with that case was touched by Fusion GPS. And yet when Bob Mueller was asked about Fusion GPS, he said, what's a Fusion GPS? I don't know any. I've never heard that. Everybody in America has heard about Fusion GPS but Bob Mueller. Remember that. Trust me. And Peter Strzok, that weirdo, and Lisa Page, that slut. I mean, it's absolute disgusting what we allowed to have in our FBI. Think about how disgusting. Joe Bianca, all these people. And they're all walking the streets, getting CNN deals, book deals, getting rich off of this to boot. It's absurd. But now Durham's come out with his report and we now know Hillary. Everything we said happened, happened. But we were called conspiracy nuts. QAnon was conspiracy nut. We were peeling that onion. That onion was peeled. We were way ahead of the curve on this. This is old news to us. But somehow it's coming out now. And now it's like, well, dude, that was two years ago. That was five years ago. Well, it's not important now. Statue of Limitations. I see that on the, on social media. Well, we got the Statue of Limitations. That's old news. Yeah, certainly. But I, to me, Benghazi's not even settled. That was 2012. But the way the justice works, the, what there doesn't work, 
Hillary Clinton gets away with it all. And that's why we're in this hot mess. Because the same people that could get away with that got away with rigging the election. It's why, you know, I just read a report, but it's old news. You know, this report's been posted since 21. And it's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania had what? How many? 2.8 million uh, ballots, absentee ballots were uh, received, but only 1.8 million were sent out. They sent out 1.8 million ballots, absentee ballots. And they, guess how many they received? 2.8. How, how, how does that work? I, they're not even trying to hide it, folks. And now we got this big thing where Purdue versus Kemp <clears throat> for the Republican primary in Georgia for the governorship. Stacey Abrams is waiting in the wings. Stacey Abrams, who doesn't wear a mask, but everybody else that does. Did you see the Super Bowl where everybody was maskless? They were saying, showing all the celebrities. You know, Ben Affleck was there. J-Lo was there. Uh, Matt Damon was there. Nobody was wearing a mask. It's like, it's L.A. Didn't Garcetti say everybody has to wear a mask? The mayor? And it was mayor. They finally cleaned up all that homelessness out there in L.A. too, didn't they? Can't have that. So now what they're going to do for the homeless is they're going to build these big, huge, multi-million dollar condos. They're going to be living in a lap of luxury. While at the same time, they're going to give $450,000 to every illegal migrant terrorist. Gangbanger from MS-13. They're going to get all kinds of drug money. Oh, and like I said last week, they're going to try to reduce the sentencing for fentanyl. They're going to make it not a Schedule 1 offense. And keep your eye on that. And that's going to influence China to actually push more drugs into our environment so that the Democrats can be mindless, more mindless than they already are. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're keeping us all drugged up, dumbed up. And it, it's absolutely uh, absurd. You know, we could listen to... Um, there's a really good uh, clip that I'm, I'm going to play for you, and uh, it's uh, Malcolm X. I don't know if you, I, I don't know how many of you heard this, but it's worth it's a worth a listen. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and play this. I have to find it though. I didn't know I was going to pl- play this, but I am going to play it. It's worth. It's kind of in in line with what I was just talking about. Let's see if I could find it. And when I do, oh, right here. All right, so let's take a listen. This is Malcolm X talking about the white liberal. This is exactly what the liberals are all about. More deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, The white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. 
The American Negro is nothing but a political football. And the white liberals control this ball through tricks or tokenism, false promises of integration and civil rights. In this game of deceiving and using the American Negro more deceitful. And there is another um, part of what he said, too, in another speech where he was talking about the lamb chop and how the Democrats smile to your face and stab you in the back. It's always peculiar when you have a guy, a racist uh, moron like Joe Biden, and have him preach to us about race. I mean, he's he's the biggest Mr. Corn Pop himself. You know? Uh, the worst of the worst. I mean, he was good friends with the last KKK wizard, Robert Byrd from West Virginia, a Democrat. And, you know, of course, George Wallace was a Democrat that stood in the doorway, didn't want integration. The Democrats have always been about segregating, dividing. Like I said, it was the Democrats that came up with the first-class passenger idea. They want to separate based on class and socioeconomics and skin color. You know, affirmative action and quota-based systems are all so racist. And now he's got a quota-based mandate. They call it equity now instead of equality. And Martin Luther King is rolling over in his grave because he knows the difference between equity and equality, as everybody should. So, you know, it's not rocket science. But I want to take a listen to... uh, Tucker Carlson talk about Ukraine. So we're going to get to Ukraine. We're going to talk about Hillary Clinton. I have a whole bunch of articles open that I want to talk uh, and reference, uh, talk about that. I also have a couple of clips from Maria Bartiromo over the weekend, and one of which is uh, related to um, Fauci and his cover-up and corruption in COVID. So we... You know, the three big stories are the Ukraine story, the uh, Durham report, because uh, uh, we're on the brink of war, but then there's the Durham report. And again, I, I don't think we would be anywhere near this World War Three with Russia and Ukraine if it wasn't for someone like Hunter Biden fleecing and, and Joe Biden fleecing Ukraine with empty promises that made Russia uncomfortable. And then Russia's now doing exactly what we would do, retaliate to to remove the existential threat that is the NATO alliance at their doorstep. Happens to be in Ukraine. Let's take a listen to Tucker talking about this. Russian troops kill American troops, inadvertently or not, and suddenly we're at war with Russia a nuclear-armed nation whose military is stronger than all the armies we fought over the past 50 years combined. Fighting Russia is not the same as droning Muammar Gaddafi. It could quickly become a war we couldn't control. Our side of that war would be overseen by the same generals who failed to beat the Taliban, guerrilla fighters and sandals who don't use toilet paper. To be clear, the United States military is superb, but the people who run it are not. That's not some outlier opinion, it's demonstrably true. Given that fact, you've got to wonder if the Biden administration's current wild posturing, and it is wild, is it worth the risk? 
We're open-minded on that question. If it's worth fighting Russia, tell, tell us how it's worth it. Explain how joining a conflict in progress in Eastern Europe would benefit the United States, not just benefit Joe Biden, who's obviously desperate for distraction from his domestic disasters, but how would war with Russia make us stronger and more prosperous? That's a fair question. It's the central question. And while you're at it, tell us why, if the Russians are such a grave threat to Europe, the Europeans seem a lot less concerned than we are. Biden keeps suggesting that Vladimir Putin wants to swallow Western Europe. If we don't act now, they'll be speaking Russian in Dusseldorf. But if that's true, why aren't the Western Europeans scrambling to defend themselves? They could certainly afford to. Germany is one of the richest countries in the world. In many ways, Germans have a higher living of sta standard of living than we do. Yet after 80 years, we are still paying for their defense. Is there a good reason for that? Could it be that defending Western Europe from Russia is a pretext for other goals, goals that remain largely hidden from the American public? Again, it is worth asking those questions and then demanding clear and logical answers to them. In fact, it's essential to do that. A lot hangs in the balance. In the current environment, however, it's not easy. Skepticism is immediately denounced as disloyalty. Ask why we ought to fight Putin and the hyenas on CNN will accuse you of working for Putin. Take it from us. We're going to keep asking anyway. For a rational conversation on this subject, we're honored tonight to be joined by a rational person, the former Democratic Congresswoman from Hawaii, Tulsi Gabbard. Congresswoman, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thank you. So let's just, and it's hard to know what to believe always and especially now, but let's just stipulate, agree to agree, that it seems likely we could see some conflict between Russia and Ukraine soon. How should we view that? Oh, well, first of all, Biden, President Biden could end this crisis and prevent a war uh, with Russia by doing something very simple, guaranteeing that Ukraine will not become a member of NATO. Because if Ukraine became a member of NATO, that would put U.S. and NATO troops directly on the doorstep of Russia, which, as Putin has laid out, would undermine their national security interests. Uh, the reality is that it is highly, highly unlikely that Ukraine will ever become a member of NATO anyway. So the question is, why doesn't President Biden and, and NATO leaders actually just say that yes. and guarantee it? Which, which begs the question of, of why are we in this position then? Uh, if, if the answer to this and preventing this war from happening is, is very clear as day, and, and, and really it just points to one conclusion that I can see, which is they actually want Russia to invade Ukraine. Why would they? Because, number one, it gives the Biden administration a clear excuse to go and levy draconian sanctions, which are a modern-day siege against Russia and the Russian people. And number two, it cements this Cold War in place. Uh, you know, the, the military-industrial complex is the one that benefits from this. They clearly control the Biden administration. Warmongers on both sides in Washington have been drum drumming up these tensions. If, if they get Russia to invade Ukraine, then, uh, again, it locks in this new Cold War. The military-industrial complex starts to make a ton of more money than, than they have been in fighting uh, al-Qaeda or, or making weapons for al-Qaeda. And who pays the price? The American people pay the price. The Ukrainian people pay, pay the price. The Russian people pay the price. It undermines our own national security, but the military-industrial complex that controls so many of our politicians wins, and they, they run to the bank. Now, is that what I've been saying for how long? How long have I been saying that, folks? That's exactly right. What Tulsi Gabbard just said, 
is exactly what I've been saying for months on this subject, which is exactly right, which is that Russia is reacting exactly the same way we would react if we had an existential threat pointing missiles at our doorstep. And it's the military-industrial complex that benefits from an escalated war to finance and supplement an endless amount of weapons to Ukraine. So the military-industrial complex wants this conflict. Doesn't matter how many people die in the process to the left wing and to the military-industrial complex. These morons that are in the top brass of the Pentagon and these slippery snakes in the CIA and these libtards at the State Department. I'm telling you, we have a government that is just so corrupt, it's not even funny. But this kind of military-industrial complex is exactly why it is that Lindsey Graham and John McCain would constantly get on the mic and talk about how terrible and how bad Russia was. They were trying to achieve this objective in Syria. People don't understand that Syria was a very similar endeavor to Ukraine because Russia was in bed with Syria since the Assad family took over Syria in the 70s. And Russia just signed a new 50-year lease about four years ago. They have this naval base, the largest naval base outside of Russia. And their immediate area is Targus on the western banks of Syria, adjacent to Cyprus, where all the money laundering happens. That island it is nothing but a bunch of banks and money laundering. And it's where the money gets funneled through. And you got countries like Montenegro, whose leader was the guy that President Trump shoved on stage at the first NATO meeting that Trump went to because he knew that the head of Montenegro was a piece of crap. And so you have all of these globalists that are just basically fleecing and selling out their people. And we're not alone. But Lindsey Graham is one of the grand poobahs right now of this kind of corruption. He got he learned he got his chops from a guy named John McCain, who's now deceased. But this is exactly what was going on. And this John McCain guy, you know, would act like he knew a bit more about military strategy. The guy never got it right in his life. And I've always said What's better than a diplomat or a State Department Secretary of State like John Kerry or Christopher or all these, uh, Blinken for that matter, who Blinken was instrumental in covering up the financing that China had, anonymous financing, going to the Biden Center at the Penn University. So at Penn, there was the Biden Center. The Biden Center was a money-funneling operation. China was influencing the Biden Center and making Penn and the Bidens rich. The donors were anonymous and Blinken and when they were trying to figure out who the giant 
donors were coming were from China, Blinken would got got involved and covered it up. And the president of University of Pennsylvania is Amy Gutman. And she ran Penn for a, quite a while. And now she's now the ambassador to Germany, thanks to Joe Biden. So two people that were instrumental in the boondoggle of bill, millions of dollars going to the Biden Center at the Ivy League school University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia was Blinken and Gutman, and both got jobs in the Biden administration. Gravy jobs, great jobs. But they're not qualified for these jobs. And right now, you listen to Jake Sullivan telling people in Ukraine to get out before it's too late. You'll die a certain death. The reason why they're saying that is because they know exactly what Tulsi Gabbard just said. They know that that war is another way to give money back to the military-industrial complex. They know that opening the border is another way to actually give money back to the cartels. You say, well, why would we be in bed with the cartels? Do you think that the cartels don't have lobbyists? Do you think that the cartels don't have money slipping into the pockets of politicians like Nancy Pelosi? Remember, it was the president of Mexico before AMLO, Obrador Lopez, Lopez Obrador, uh, there was Nieto. Nieto in Mexico got $100 million. And you know who said that was Chapo, his wife, said, we paid him $100 million, Nieto, who's now living in like Barcelona or somewhere like that, but living on Easy Street. Nieto got a $100 million payback off of all this. And Nancy Pelosi was photographed all the time with Nieto. And you better believe that there was a deal being made to funnel people into California, thanks to Nancy Pelosi, through Tijuana. It's all part of the corruption. These corporations, you talk about inflation, 7.5% inflation, we learned on Thursday, Friday of last week. Guess what? That was by design. Remember we were talking about it on Friday? We said, how would you like to know what the market's going to be before the market happens? Would you then buy your house when you know it's at the absolute cheapest? And then would you sell it when it's at actually at the top of the bubble? So you do house flipping, but wouldn't it be nice to know when you're buying at the rock bottom? And wouldn't it be nice to know that you're selling it at the top of the heap? So you buy when the prices are low, and you sell it when the inflationary mechanisms kick in, and you maximize your profits. How rich can you possibly get from that? And guess what, folks? Other than the fact that it's insider trading, it's illegal. That is the sad truth of it all. So if you could control the markets and make boneheaded decisions and hire economists that know what they're doing, but yet do exactly the opposite of what they know is right, they can guarantee that right now, with the Trump economy that was so good, 
buy all your widgets and buy all your parts that manufacture your products. Buy all your stuff. Get it while the supply chain is good. Then screw up the supply chain. Just close down the Keystone Pipeline, which closes down the petroleum, closes down, raises the price of shipping because of the trucks and their gas prices, and the, the, all the trickle-down effects that happen when you do these things. And you know that inflation is going to end up happening. The price of goods. And you, you have the Federal Reserve doing quantitative easing, liquidating the money, making it so it's devalued. And you could talk about $15 minimum wage so you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, you controlled this economy. You've made this 7.5% inflation happen. But you told the corporations that were responsible for you getting elected. And they were able to buy the house at the lowest point of the market and sell when inflationary mechanisms were at the all-time high. And what we see now are these uh, annual or these quarterly results maximizing the profits of corporate America. The disparity between the top 1% and middle class America is at the greatest point in the history of mankind, and that's thanks to the Democrats. Well, you know, we're running out of time. There are so many more clips, actually, that uh, I have for you in store. Um, and we're going to get to those this week uh, because we're going to be talking about these issues all week. Ukraine, uh, Fauci's corruption with COVID, uh, and we're going to be talking about inflation and government globalists versus the nationalists, the truckers in Ottawa. We're going to be talking about all of this. And it's going to be great theater, trust me. It's what makes politics these days so interesting. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. Be sure, if you're going to go over and buy that coil mattress over at uh, MyPillow, we have a landing page called mypillow.com slash redstate. And of course, our code word over at MyPillow is redstate. Just use that and you'll get the maximum amount of discounts you can get for any product over at MyPillow. And Michael, and tell Mike Scott sent you. Mike Lindell. All right, and with that, be sure to check out magapack.org and find out what we're doing with our 501c3 to make America great again by advancing America first policies. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.